Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, by the way, you can silent countdown. You don't have to. Cool. <laughs> Where's the go lofty? I'm I'm kidding, I'm I'm kidding. Here you go, here you go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show, showdown edition. And I'm here to tell you that it's been a fun run, fellas. It's been an enjoyable, amazing season doing this with Matt Kajewski every single Monday, every single Thursday. This is, in fact, our last Thursday night football game that we will be talking about, Matt. So let's make it a good one. We have to. We have a great slate of games this week with Tennessee taking on San Francisco tonight. A lot of playoff implications. I guess I didn't quite realize how good Tennessee's actually been despite losing A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry for most of the year. It's a very good team. They are a very good team, man. They are. I Look, last week's loss was weird against Pittsburgh. I, I don't know if you saw the spot that they'd give it. It was it – was, it was the worst spot in the history of officiating. I'm telling you, it was that bad. It was egregious. And then they finally fixed it. They got it kind of right, even though it was wrong. Game was over. And that game goes on to, uh, to, to be won by the Steelers, which they're another team where you're just shocked that they don't have a losing record this year, Matt. Yeah, the Steelers, they just find a way to get these gritty wins. And I feel like they've been doing that for years now. Big Ben, I think he's been washed now just for a couple of years. It's been quite a, quite some time since we've really seen him play at a productive level, but they somehow always seem to squeak to like eight and eight or slightly above 500. So it's a team that wins a lot with like defense. TJ Watt's been phenomenal and they have good skill position players around Big Ben. It's just he can't always get the job done. Yeah, but you're right. The Titans are still tied for second in the AFC uh, despite losing AJ Brown, despite losing Derrick Henry, despite julio jones being hobbled uh all of the time it's a crazy it's 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 really been wild so i'm looking forward to breaking this one down with you guys 
hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. If you're watching after the fact, what's up? Comment down below. What do you think? Who breaks the slate tonight? Very simple question. Who breaks the slate? It's always someone. You think it's going to be a Jeff Swain? You think it's going to be a, a, a no-namer? Kyle Juszczyk? It happens, man. Kyle Juszczyk was a necessity in a former game with the 40, uh, 49ers this season. Weird things happen. We'll get into all of that. But yeah, hit that thumbs up if you like this content. It helps us greatly. I wouldn't just say that. I don't like talking about this stuff. It just needs to be done. It's the way things go around here. We got to feed the algorithm and subscribe to the channel. We're less than 900 away from 70,000. You guys have got us this far. Push us over the finishing line. All right. So, Matt. Oh, by the way, I'm Dave Lockren at Lafayette underscore D. For all you podcast listeners, you want to find me out there on the social medias, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. I don't even know what my Instagram is. I guess it's the same thing, probably. Matt is at Matt Gage underscore Gajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I. Ready to dive into this? Yeah, man, let's do it. Make it happen. All right, so we've got San Francisco, Tennessee, only a single game tonight. San Francisco 49ers laying three points on the road, 23 and a half point total. We'll kick it off with them. Then we'll get to the uh, Titans. We'll build a lineup here and give our final takes before we head out. Let's start with um, let's start with Debo Samuel. I got some insane stats for you here that I just I, I would love to hear your opinion on some of this wildness. Now, he led the league in yards after catch. He was second in target share, 31.5%, and he was second in yards through the first nine weeks of the season, receiving yards, right? Yes. Over the last, since week 10, okay, since week 10, he has a 13% target share, averaging, averaging just over three yards per, three targets per game. But he has, <laughs> he's averaging six carries per game, or he, sorry, he had six total carries per game through the first nine weeks. He has 33 over the last five weeks and at least one rushing touchdown in five straight games. Here's the kicker. Since week 10, only Jonathan Taylor has more rushing touchdowns than Debo Samuel, who has six rushing touchdowns since week 10. It's honestly wild. He's been used a lot as a running back. And the interesting thing to me is a lot of these carries aren't necessarily just coming on pure backfield carries. He still gets these like end around carries as well. The reverses, whatever you want to call them. I went back and I looked at his snaps, just where he's playing over the last you know couple of weeks and stuff. And he's only been lining up in the backfield the last two games, at least single digits, as far as where he's lining up in the backfield, most of his snaps are still coming out wide. So a lot of these carries are coming on reverses, stuff like that too, or motions. It's really interesting usage with Debo. And I don't, I don't really think there's a precedent for it. How much do you like him today at this price point? Because look, I, you could get, this is here. Let's break this down. This is my problem. Okay. You have somebody in Debo Samuel who early in the season was dominant as a pass catcher. Once in a while, he'd get a little rushing opportunity. He did have a rushing touchdown in week five. I get that. Now you say, all right, the rushing touchdowns have been great. Sure. He has at least one, literally five straight games with at least one rushing touchdown. All of that is well and good. But Matt, targets are worth a lot more 
than rushing attempts. Even even when you're Debo and like you said, you're getting those end around and they're they're designing plays to open things up for you because to be fair, he's been very efficient with these carries. But still, would you rather have six rushing attempts per game to one or two targets? Or would you rather have that standard like we saw early in the season where he was averaging over 10 targets a game through his first eight? Would you rather have that and only like one rushing attempt per game? Because I would prefer those 10 targets for a guy that literally led the league in yards after the catch through the first nine weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not even close. You'd rather have the targets to the carries in a vacuum, especially on a site like DraftKings where you have the PPR value. But Debo is so explosive after the catch too that a lot of his easy catches can turn into bigger plays. So there's a little bit more upside than, I don't know, your standard possession style receiver, which Debo isn't that. He's very versatile. He's used all over the field. But I'm with you that I would prefer the receiving role. I think there's there's been some indication, just like reading the tea leaves, that Debo could be used more as a receiver down the stretch here. I, I think Jeff Wilson played well enough in now the two games we've seen him. Last week in particular, he kind of got off the schneid. And that was a game where Debo wasn't very involved in the past game still, but they absolutely throttled Atlanta. The 31-13 score, Debo had five targets in the game, and his routes, they've been spiking back up since he had that like one target game where he was basically a running back, a base back. I, I don't think we see that drastic. I, I do think Debo still plays a role in the run game. But I think he is still trending more towards being a, a receiver rather than a pure running back. Like just single digit snaps in the backfield, I think is pretty telling. I'm with you, man. And I think that's a great stat that you pulled. I will also mention too, uh, Mike, if you want to pull this up on Odd Shopper, I, I am on the under rushing yards for Debo today, under 35 and a half. Uh, as a matter of fact, Matt, I played a, I've been loving, loving, the parlay builder lately and and it got off to a good start yesterday we use the same projections over at uh, at odd shopper everything's free there entirely free so you're not being sold anything um i use the same or they use the same projections there as we do at awesome that are you know built by alex and company some of the the sharpest guys out there so i was like okay uh, i had one basketball prop in this five leg player prop parlay last night, Matt, that I needed to clear to get to today and then to get to Sunday. And then it's all football, right? For today and Sunday, it's over six and a half uh, rebounds. It's like, this is a 10 PM game. I'm not staying up for this. Fortunately, he had eight rebounds through the first one and a half quarters. So we could sleep easy, but uh, how sick is the parlay builder? It's awesome. It, do- it does the work for you. Like yeah. you don't even have to go and pick your own parlay tools. It literally accounts for everything and takes all of the work out of it. And I mean, with this tool, I think you can use it at different points in the day. Normally I try to tell people this is like, you want to bet earlier to get sharper lines with, with the parlay builder. It's literally doing the math for you. So I think it's a rare case where you can even use this closer to whenever the games kick off, if you're just trying to build something for a sweat. And I mean, if, if you are a casual gambler and you're just building for a sweat, I, I don't see why you wouldn't use this tool. It's free and it's giving you a clear edge and giving you something to root for. No doubt. And they've been cashing nicely lately. So we're on a bit of a heater over there. Uh, but no, the reason I said that is because I, I, I was the one that I got in was Debo Samuel under rushing yards under, I think it was 35 and a half at the time. I, I know that seems tough because he's been so solid there, but like you just pointed out, Jeff Wilson, if, if you want to make the argument that Eli Mitchell until Mitchell returns, 
Debo is going to continue to get a ton of rushing work. Well, you have to factor in that uh, Jeff Wilson had 22 carries last game. Yes, they throttled Atlanta. I agree. But it's not like it's not like Shanahan is afraid to use Jeff Wilson in a bell cow role. As a matter of fact, you and I had this conversation months ago about, you know, how they could use a guy in Jeff Wilson or or, you know, whoever it was. But I, th- I believe it was Jeff Wilson. And, you know, we've seen he's not afraid to use him. So I like Debo, but I, he's expensive, man. And if I'm paying that much, I want to at least feel somewhat confident that he can get back to having similar involvement in the passing game as he did back before week 10 started. That's all. We didn't talk about this before the show either, but the prop I wanted to highlight myself was over on his receiving yards. And I think if, if you're doing like parlays and stuff, same game parlays, you can, you can use some of these things in conjunction with each other. But if we do think he's going to be used more as a wide receiver right now, we are projecting him for 68 and a half receiving yards, which is where I tend to agree, obviously, based on what we saw him doing last week, as far as his role. And you can find over 42 and a half. I'm seeing that on bet MGM. I know you're in a state with more legal books than me. So perhaps the line might even be a little bit better, but I think you can do both. I mean, these are obviously correlated. If Debo is under his rushing prop, he's probably being used more as a receiver. And we have a huge win rate, 75% on the over for receiving yards. I, it's funny. We're talking about props for the same player. We're on different sides, but I think they're actually correlated. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're a same game uh, parlay type of person, that might be a pretty good spot to, to, to correlate, Matt. Under rushing yards, over receiving yards for Debo. I agree. I agree 100%. And you, by the way, DraftKings has it at 42 and a half as well in, in PA. So that's a good spot to get to. Uh, all right. What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on, on Kittle, who is, I love this guy, always have. I think it's because, you know, when guys, when you draft them real late in dynasty leagues, I think I got him in like the 18th round of a startup league in his rookie season, I think, what, five years ago? I've always had a soft spot for this guy. And the reason I loved him coming into the league was I looked at him and I said, all right, is he the most prolific pass catcher that's ever come in, that's been drafted into the NFL? No, but the guy can block like a motherfucker. And he's the type of tight end. You talk about this all the time, Matt. He's the type of tight end, not him specifically, but in general, that can be on the field for 100% of snaps because he's not a liability as a blocker, but he's also a great pass catcher. Uh, and that's what I love about players like him. But man, has 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 he not over the years, especially over the last few years, developed as just a flat out elite pass catching tight end who's playing 95 plus percent of snaps every single week, can do everything after the catch that any but any receiver possibly could. Uh, and is just he, he's 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 a preeminent player at his position and in this league. Yeah, you really can't say enough good things about Kittle. I think he probably is the best overall well-rounded tight end in the entire league. And what he does as a receiver is so dynamic too. I think as far as tight ends that are like creating yards after the catch and breaking tackles, it doesn't get any better than Kittle. For a player like Kittle, like Debo, some of these studs, I don't think the question is really, should you be playing them or not? It's If you're playing multiple lineups, it should be one, how much are you playing? Or if you're uh, just a few lineups, one lineup, where are you playing him? And there's a positive leverage score on Kittle. It's slight. You usually see these guys a little more efficiently in terms of their price, adjusted salary, and their their ownership. But Kittle, right now, he's slightly over-owned in the captain spot, and he's slightly under-owned in the utility spot. So I really like to use our tools when trying to make decisions with some of these studs on the slate. And right now, if the slate were to lock 
in 10 minutes or so. I would be preferring Kittle in the utility, perhaps playing a cheaper captain and trying to jam both Debo and Kittle if possible. But right now, I think that's the best way to use him. And one interesting thing I, I just want to point out before we move on for Kittle, just comparing him to a player like Debo Samuel, Kittle has a really high chance of being the top scorer on our slate, according to our simulations. 22.5%. That's higher than Debo. And I was really surprised by that. So I kind of want to get your take on it before we move on. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was reading I was reading a comment in chat. My take on which? I, Kittle has a higher top overall play percentage than Debo. Kittle's at 22.5% and Debo's at 17 based on our simulations. I was a little surprised to see that. Yeah, it's... I mean, I... I it's don't not, know. It's not like the most surprising thing in the world, but like, I think it just speaks to how good Kittle's actually been. For sure. And I, I think, again, though, it goes back to what you and I were talking about a second uh, before with Debo, that if his target share is going down, and let's even say that the target share does come back up, it, we're certainly accounting for what we've seen over the last five weeks as well. So even if it comes up, we're not projecting this guy for 10 targets. Meanwhile, George Kittle has a, a, a 34% target share in his offense over the last three or four weeks, uh, has been absolutely peppered with targets. So we know targets are just more valuable than, 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 than rushing attempts. And I would assume that has something to do with it, Matt. I, I don't know. I would have to, we would have to ask Alex there, but uh, I don't, is it a little surprising? Yeah, it is because yeah, a little bit because that's just price agnostic there. That's just, will they be the top overall score, right? Not will they be the optimal captain or anything like that, but my God, George Kittle has been an absolute beast lately. Him and Mark Andrews, man, it's been unbelievable to watch these guys. So I, I do love George Kittle today and, and I'm going to try to get a, a decent amount of him. Do I think he's going to pull in another 15 targets in an overtime game? <laughs> Probably not, but is 10, 11 targets a legitimate possibility for this guy who's also insane after the catch? Like you said, breaking tackles, he's, he, there's, he, there's nobody better. Yeah, I, I absolutely love him. Yeah, it, it's really hard to get away from Kittle. I think the only, the only case you'd be making is if you're like stacking up the Tennessee side or something and just not playing him for leverage. He's just a good play. What's the, what's the ownership look like on... He is a positive leverage score. He's he's according to our tools, he's slightly overowned okay. in the captain, slightly underowned in utility. I'm it's shocking that Debo's getting more captain ownership than Kittle right now. I know, I know, I agree, but I think maybe that's a little bit of recency bias. What do you think? Yeah, it could be. It could be just yeah, just the fact that the Debo, the the rushing attack, Matt. I just don't trust. I don't trust somebody to score a rushing touchdown every single game throughout the remainder of the season on six rushing attempts. I know it's, it's really, that honestly for any player, even like a Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you would, you would predict something like that. And Jonathan Taylor, he's like, you know, the premier touchdown scorer in football right now. And for Debo to be doing it at the receiver position, getting single digit snaps in the backfield, that would be very, very surprising. Anton says a four, two Titans build wins your tournaments. Maybe, man. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. I, I, he is really bullish on Tennessee tonight, which is strange. He's always bullish on players. Yeah. It, it, the San Francisco 49ers are a good football team. I'm not saying they're, they're the best, but they're a good football team. They play in a difficult division uh, that 
they're still positioned to make the playoffs. You have Kittle, you, you have Debo, you have a good line, a decent, a good enough defense. I'd be, I'd be shocked if Tennessee just runs away with this, but we'll see. Anyway, um, what are you doing with the run? Actually, no. What are you doing with uh, this? Is this is a, a weird one? But I think it probably deserves a little bit of conversation, given that he's been getting some work. Uh, John Jennings has probably benefited from the lack of opportunities in the passing game from Debo Samuel. He's got 11 targets over the last two weeks. Um, do you have any interest in somebody like him today? I think there's there's interest in tournaments. I don't think it's like the highest probability. He's too expensive. Right. But we, we always need to talk about these guys, right? Cause they're, we need to talk about the players that are on the field that could potentially score these touchdowns or whatever it may be, have a big game. I think like his snap shares at around 45%, which is, is pretty low overall. I mean, for a player that expensive, you'd be wanting them to play a much more consistent role on offense. So I'm, I'm trying to go back and forth between these tabs, but I'm imagining right now he probably has a negative leverage score. I don't know. Is that kind of how you view him too? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. How, how do you not? Hey, he actually what's has the a ceiling positive game? leverage score. What, wow. What's the ceiling game look like on Jawan Jennings, though? But, I mean, it, we're talking about, like, not even a percent for positive leverage. Right. It's negligible. Right. And it's all in the utility spot. I don't know. For So, like, it comes down to price with him, right? Like, he's nearly the same price as a guy like Jeff Wilson, who is, I think, the most underpriced player on the entire slate, given their role. In a one-for-one, one, just in a vacuum situation, I'm, I'm never going to click a guy like Jennings when you can get these, these cheaper players. Like, I just don't think the gap in price is that far away from each other. I don't think so either. And I think the rest of the passing game for San Francisco begins to look really ugly. Okay. So the only other guy is Brandon Ayuk and with Brandon Ayuk, even last week, two targets. Okay. But he played what almost a hundred percent of the snaps in that game, Matt. Uh, I, I, I don't think you've seen that full, the full capabilities of Ayuk this year. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Debo Samuel and George Kittle are just such dominant forces in this offense. But in that same breath, I do think you're probably what's the leverage score actually, before I say this. Okay. So he has a, he actually has a negative leverage score um, for, for Ayuk. Yeah. 
I thought it would be positive. I thought his ownership would be really low at that price, but he would, because he's on the field so much and because he actually has a, a respectable target share in this offense, I thought he would actually be getting a little bit of a higher leverage score. I think this could change throughout the day. It's, it's looking like our ownership for Jeff Wilson might not be correct. So we'll see how this changes. But Ayuk, the, the issues are if Debo's used like a real receiver, Ayuk is going to take a step back because you have a healthy Kittle, which sure. we, didn't, we didn't have for a lot of the year. And a lot of Ayuk just rides on Debo because we know Debo is going to be the focal point of the offense, regardless of how he's used. If he's used as a receiver, he's going to get his targets. If he's lining up out of the backfield, he's going to get carries. So Ayuk really sees a ceiling when Debo's playing that running back role, which you and I both agree we don't see coming today. But as far as players on the field that have a chance to catch a big touchdown, deep plays, that's his skill set. He's a player that has that boom ability. His optimal captain percentage, it's not great. It's like it's 2% here, but he's a 4% chance of being the highest score in the slate. And I think a lot of that would come down to his big play ability. Like, so, like we have Eli Mitchell projected in right now. That's why this is really hard to see. And he's not playing. So we'll see if we can get an ownership update and get correct numbers here, but I'm not sure. So, yeah, that's, that's going to change things for sure. Let me see. Uh, what do we have? Where do we even have Mitchell? What's that? I don't know. I was just looking for, do we have, hold on. So, okay, now in our in our ownership projections, we have Mitchell out. All right, it must have just updated. No, the top stack tool, I think. Yeah, that's is, what I'm looking at. Is not updated. So yeah, if you go to the ownership, we do have him listed as out. Um, okay. which means we have guys like Jeff Wilson at 51% projected ownership. Very, very strange to me that with all DraftKings does to make sure backup quarterbacks, Matt, aren't, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. Aren't minimum salary if a quarterback were to go down. Do you not think there might have been some preemptive pricing to say it's maybe on a, on a, on a Thursday night game, we shouldn't price Jeff Wilson at $5,200. I'm surprised they did that. It's not like, like Jeff Wilson's been handling a lead back role too. It's not like this injury to Eli Mitchell was unexpected. Like he's been dealing with this for weeks now. So sometimes DraftKings misses things. I was a little surprised by this one, but right now I think he, if you're playing low risk contest cash formats, he's got to be the first player in your lineup, whether it's captain or utility because of his price. He's just so cheap. Yeah, I know. I, I don't really see any way around it, do you? I mean, yeah, obviously in tournaments, I I do think in large field, I don't see, let me let me rephrase this. I don't see any way around flat out looking at Jeff Wilson as a good play. Right I not. do I do think in large field tournaments, you should, not could, but should have lineups without him. Because if he goes for one of these 16 carry games, Matt, and he has 65 yards, and no targets in the passing game and no, no uh, receiving touchdowns, which is very much in play. I mean, that's very possible that that happens. You're going to be very not happy not to have one of the, the highest owned players on the entire slate. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, what's his pass catching role? They used Jermichael Hasty in that capacity and they even used Juszczyk in that capacity. Right. 
I know, I know San Francisco is laying three here, but if this gets a little wonky and it doesn't play to the spread and maybe Tennessee scores the opening touchdown, do we see limited snaps for Jeff Wilson? So he's not the locked in lead back, like Jonathan Taylor or somebody who's going to play in all game scripts. That's a legitimate concern for him. So I do think there is merit to fading him in large field tournaments. I think he's going to come in under owned based on what we have right now. So where you play him, I think will be key, but overall, it's not like this, a guy that can't fail. He's he definitely can't. That's all I'm saying. Tennessee's run defense. Isn't that bad. And lest we forget that Debo Samuel might get the, the carry at the nine yard line and punch it in the end zone. Who knows? There's yeah. ways that it can go wrong. Anyway, what else do you want to talk about for San Francisco before we move on? Yeah. One other thing is that they just use so many players. And two weeks ago, we saw a bust Jeff Wilson game, but it could be Debo. It could be Kittle. And we talked about IU too. Those are all players that are live to not only, you know, like have a big game, but ultimately be potentially the winning captain slot. One thing about San Francisco, I think that's nice is they're fairly condensed. We don't have as many potential options that are like the stone men here. They don't rotate a lot of players onto the field. They don't use as many two tight end sets anymore. And when they do like Charlie Werner's their second tight end, he's purely a blocker. So you're not going to see a lot of him. I mean, there's like Trent Sherfield coming on the field for a handful of snaps. If you want to just throw a complete dart. But I think if you're going to those type of players, you're probably better suited to the Tennessee side. The, the only player I'll mention in this capacity is going to be Jermichael Hasty. If they get in negative game script, does he potentially play more and catch balls out of the backfield? I think there's the potential for that. But at the same time, Jermichael Hasty, it's not like he's the stone man. He's he's a thousand dollars. So just he's a little less expensive than you I think that's nice, but he's going to be very, very risky and very game script dependent. I think he's fine too. But like you said, yeah, last week, what Wilson played 88% of snaps. Hasty played five. Use played 53, but we know what he's out there mostly for. I, I think use and hasty are both viable in large field tournaments. 100%. If this game does go sideways, uh, you know, or it's just kind of back and forth. Yeah, you're right. Could Hasty get five targets, Matt? It's not out of the question. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. And if that happens and you have a, what, a $1,000 Hasty over a $5,200 Jeff Wilson, who is now kind of scripted out of getting that 20-plus carry game, you're going to be in really good shape because it probably gets you from Ayuk to George Kittle, you know, or just, just an example. But it's going to get you from one of those kind of middling options to another top tier player, maybe a quarterback, maybe you can play Mitchell and Debo together. And that could be the difference maker. Yeah, for sure. And one positive thing about Jeff Wilson and Michael Hasty is they play in very specific game scripts. So I think you can build your roster with that in mind and try to maybe tag in a little extra correlation if you're using, well, I mean, a lot of people are going to use Wilson, but if you're using Hasty, San Francisco is potentially throwing, maybe you're using like the, the runners on the Tennessee side. Any other thoughts on defense kicker here before we talk about the Titans? I think the kickers are, are pretty viable here. I, it's not a spot again, where I'm trying to like go overboard on the kickers. The, the defenses are tough for me because these teams both really like to run the ball if they can. So I think you really got to play the game script angle with that too. If you think San Francisco is up in the game, Playing Tennessee's defense probably isn't the sharpest thing because of how the San Francisco offense will operate in positive game script. They're just going to continue running. But conversely, the team that's up in the game, they're 
by necessity, probably going to face elevated pass attempts. And both these quarterbacks have been turnover prone in the past. We know Garoppolo is not really mobile, so potentially more sacks with him. But I'm not really trying to take a stand on the defenses or the kickers in large field tournaments, just playing them when it makes sense and when I get to them naturally. Orton's neckbeard. Between pink and crimson, how red is that inch of Dave's forehead at the end of the day when he takes off the hat? I don't think it's – this hat's not even that tight. Is it red? Maybe a little imprint, but I don't think it's red. I don't think it's like crimson or pink. Maybe. I don't know. Chat is unbelievable. What? Some of the things I read in chat are unbelievable. I know. <laughs> well, the things they think of are, are even funnier. This hat's a- not even tight. I mean, it's, look, see? It's not tight. It's good. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Matt, have you heard of Jock Market? Yes, sir, but I, tell me more. I would love to tell you more about Jock Market. They've turned daily fantasy sports into the stock market. What does that mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You can make money down to the hour or the minute or the second over at Jock Market by buying, selling, or holding shares of individual players with real time or in real time for real money. You got markets for football, for hockey, when it comes back, baseball, basketball, PGA, all of that good stuff. When you download the app, J-O-C-K-M-K-T in the App Store or the Google Play Store and use the promo code AWESOMO, you get up to $50 on a deposit bonus for your first time signing up and depositing. So, yeah, obviously, the simple thing about it is you put your research in, you watch these shows, however you want to do it, right? You do your own independent research, your DD, as one might say. And then what happens is you can go in, you can buy uh, players, you can hold them throughout the day, you can buy more, you can sell them, all of that good stuff based on where your feel is. But they have an IPO period, right, where you can pick up shares of your favorite players. And fortunately, because we always look out for you guys when we spot what when we partner with these sites and these apps, we have free jock market IPO projections to help you beat the market. They're never behind a paywall. They're free every day of the week at awesomeo.com. So check them out when you do. All of that's well and good. But here's the kicker. If you sign up using the promo code awesomeo, first of all, like I said, $50 deposit bonus first time users. The first market guarantee, however, is that Jock Market will refund any losses in your first NFL or NBA market up to $100. So if you play for the first time, you get your ass kicked, up to $100 you are refunded on all of those losses. So check it out. Use the promo code. Take advantage of the first market guarantee and the free IPO tools at Awesomeo. Jock Market, J-O-C-K space, M-K-T, sponsor of the Showdown Strategy Show. All right, Matt, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. I want to start with the – oh, I, I, one thing I forgot, Jimmy Garoppolo. The, same opinion usually on all this stuff, though, but how do you plan on utilizing him today? Garoppolo, I think, is a pretty decent play at the quarterback position, and I think you can use him in negative game scripts, too, if you're building in that sort of correlation here. But he is a very positive leverage score right now. As soon as this tool gets updated, I don't expect Garoppolo to really change. But he's a 13% chance of being the highest scorer on the board. That's pretty high. He's under-owned in both the captain and the utility spot. And I think that makes sense. We have very popular Kittle. We have very popular Debo. I think you're going to see very own Jeff Wilson. So if you're trying to get a little different, it appears Garoppolo, even though he's coming in with some ownership, and we always see this with quarterbacks, it's not quite enough. And I like that San Francisco 
has multiple pass catchers that are viable, but they're still condensed. So a guy like Ayuk, if you want to stack him in a contrarian way, those are available to you. Favorite contrarian option from San Francisco? I think they're all pretty owned. So it's got to be probably Ayuk, like out, okay. out of the players that are most involved. That's what I was saying earlier. I, I was a little bit surprised uh, that the uh, leverage score was where it was. I kind of get it, but yeah, I don't know. I, I would agree with you. Or or hasty, just going hasty over Mitchell and or uh, over Wilson in large field contests. Yeah, large field contests. I think that's certainly viable too, because he's getting no ownership at all. Hey, the Tennessee Titans are at home, three point dogs. But guess what, Matt? Looks like they're getting uh, getting some of the cavalry back. It's about time, too. I it's can't believe they're time. as good as they are with the players they've been trotting out there. It's crazy. I mean, to be fair, their offense has been somewhat anemic. You know, they, they, they put up 20 on the Jags, but they held them to zero. I don't know. They've, they're actually they're one and three over the last four. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like a lot of their wins came when they had, you know, Derrick Henry, yeah. their studs. And I well, I expected them to struggle, but they've been able to keep it together enough to now they're going to be with, it seems like AJ and Julio are going to play. I'm shocked Julio is going to play in this game, but he logged, yeah. a full, he logged a full practice. Unbelievably. I know. I can't believe it. Like the guy had, a, he aggravated his, his injury that he'd been on injured reserve for. And then he, he logs a full practice. Like he hasn't practiced in full in six years. I know. <laughs> like I know. what, what made, what made yesterday the day? Right. Dude, I was, when I was writing up the run sheet and researching this morning, I was about to just, you know how I put like the injuries on the run sheet. I was about, I, was, I put AJ Brown uh, expected to be activated from IR. And then I was about to put Julio Jones out. And then I realized he wasn't even on the injury report. He didn't even have an injury designation. He left the game early and didn't return. I, I, I just, I just, I just don't know what happened. I know he's back. And he, by the way, I said that was going to happen. I say he's leaving. There's no doubt. First half, Julio Jones is out. He's leaving this game too. Let's be fair. I mean, Julio's aggravating that in the first quarter, Matt. Yeah, I. He's done it repeatedly this year. It's a shame. For years. I love, I love Julio, man. I love Julio Jones so much. Ugh, it's tough. He'll be back next year. He won't. I mean, I I hope, but it's it's looking it's looking like those hammies are just string cheese at this point, and I don't know how much longer you, you keep going with that. If you go and look at some of the the seasons he's had, though, he's had some of the most insane, insane seasons. That yeah, man, that he's any been receiver awesome. will ever have. He's been awesome. He was a great receiver in his prime. All right, so. Let's talk about the passing game first. Then we'll dive into this mess of a run game. What are you doing with AJ Brown, assuming he plays and Julio Jones? I was surprised how expensive AJ Brown is coming off the injury. And I, it's not that he's like, this is where he should be priced. If he's, he probably is still even a little cheap, but I was surprised to see the price on AJ Brown here. Ultimately, I think he's just going to project a little bit worse than the elite San Francisco options. And a lot of that is because San Francisco is the favorite in this game. We're not 100% sure what A.J. Brown's role is going to be. Like, is this guy going to come back and play right away? The reports early in the week where, like, the language just confused me a little bit. It was barring any setbacks, 
he's expected to play. So that to me suggests like, you know, this guy might not be a hundred percent yet. Like he, they might be rushing him back because they are a playoff team right now that needs wins to secure their spot. So that's a little bit worrisome to me. I I'm just, I'm not sure where AJ Brown's at in his recovery. I don't either, but you know what I'm wondering, you know what I'm wondering and, and concerns me, Matt is, are, are these guys potentially getting rushed back into action because their offense has been so bad lately? Listen to their listen to what they've scored. This is, you know, if you don't want to use this, that's fine. But I think it's relevant when you consider the teams they've faced. They've scored 13 against the Pittsburgh defense that's been gashed everywhere. They scored 20 against the Jags. And if you watch that game, the offense actually was not that great. 13 against New England. 13 against Houston. That's the last four weeks. They really struggled against bad teams. And I know that Houston game, bad weather and such, and Tannehill got picked four times. But how do you think it's possible that, that Antonio Brown or A.J. Brown saying, like, I'm good to go, maybe he's not fully back? Uh, but you know what? I, I don't even know why I say that. He went on the IR in week 11, right? He went on the, the IR in week 11. So it's week, what is this, week 16, right? Yeah. A short week, but week 16, it, it's not crazy. No, the, the only thing that concerned me was the language in the report saying barring a setback. So you're like, you're, you're worried enough about a right. setback that you had to say that. Are they, or is that just shit reporting? Could be shit reporting. I don't know. That was Rappaport. So <laughs> we got <laughs> we to gotta be a little worried about the source. Right, right. So if he doesn't get hit by a bus, he'll be on the field today. You never know with Rappaport. I don't know, man. But uh, to your point, like I think, to, I think predictably Tennessee's offense has struggled. Like I, I mean, Nick Westbrook Akine played on 89% of the snaps last week. Jeff Swaim, 74%. Cody yep. Hollister, 70%. Like these are practice squad receivers. Like would Nick Westbrook Akine make the Cardinals roster? No. I don't think he would. No, no. Like there's plenty of rosters in the NFL where I think like, would he make the Cowboys roster? Would he make the Chiefs roster? Dude, I don't know if he'd make the Eagles roster over Ortega Whiteside. Like, and he's the number one receiver with Julio and AJ Brown out. Like, I'm not surprised they struggled. Like, Dontrell Hilliard, would he make the Packers roster? No. Would Would he make the Raiders roster? Wasn't he on the practice squad up until a few weeks ago? Yes. Yeah. Like so their now, skill position players are horrific. They're horrific. really, really, really bad. But that's the thing. When you have Derrick Henry, it so easily masks everything else. Even last year, even last year, you didn't have Julio yet. Corey Davis. I get that. But it was, it was Derrick Henry and it was, and it was AJ Brown. And Davis was a fine number three option, but actually, no, I guess you had Johnu Smith. Yeah. I, 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 I retract that statement, Matt. It's horrible, like, though. It's horrible. It's entirely the t- Titans' fault. Like, they messed this up themselves. You look at what they do late in the draft. Like, they drafted two absolutely atrocious prospects in Racy McMath, and I forget the other dude. He went to Louisville. Um, Watkins or something. Is Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick. Right? You're talking about Dre Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Yeah. These two players were horrific prospects. Fitzpatrick he wasn't even the number one receiver at Louisville and Racy McMath had like 20 career catches at LSU. He was a special <laughs> teamer there. Like 
you, in the late round of drafts, you can get legitimately good prospects. Like that's where Darnell Mooney was drafted. Amon Ross St. Brown was a day three pick and you're wasting these picks on these just buffoons. So you, <laughs> you go from one of the best receiving cores in the NFL with AJ Brown and Julio Jones, two of them get hurt. And suddenly you're like barely a better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, Give me a break here. Titans. Like you got to make some better decisions. So you don't think Racy McMath has a shot at being a great player in this league? Dude, Racy McMath was the number five receiver for LSU last year, a college team. I, I understand he ran a good 40-yard dash. I understand that. But this guy could not play receiver at the college level. What makes you think he can play at the NFL level? I don't know. I'm a big Racy McMath fan. I'm going to look up how many career catches he had. This dude was atrocious in college, like a horrific player. Oh, it's so good. Hey, uh, good question in chat. He says, do you actually peel your string cheese or bite it like some sort of animal? <laughs> Matt? I peel it. You have to peel it. If you don't peel, you're right. You're a savage. You're a Neanderthal, a caveman. Doesn't work. But biting string cheese. Now, I will grab a slice of like American out of the fridge, you know, sliced American and just eat that. But string cheese has to be peeled. I agree. And you have to get, let me be clear as on another thing. This is a lot more important. If you're going to do string cheese, you have to go with the polio. If you go with anything else, you go with store-bought string cheese, you, you are making a, a catastrophic mistake because that shit doesn't even peel. Like you'll try to peel it and it just breaks off in chunks. String cheese kind of sore over here. I could talk about it all day. All right, Matt. With, with Brown, though, I know you're looking up um, racing. I found McMath. it. I, I got his stats. They're, they're very bad. All right. What's his, what are his college stats? He had 500 career receiving yards. He never had more than 17 receptions in a single season. He never had more than 285 yards in a single season. All right. So. I mean, I, my God. I I'm getting sick to my stomach looking at these racy McMath stats, knowing the Titans spent a day three pick on this guy. What was he, a fifth rounder? Yeah, he was, he was a fifth rounder. All right, so racy McMath finished as the fifth leading receiver on LSU in his final season of college. That's really bad. Really bad, with 195 yards. Who was the fourth? Eric Gilbert, who you, you probably don't know Eric Gilbert. He's a premier like five-star tight end, but he's he's kind of out of college football right now. He's got some mental health issues. That's a shame. He's got the Calvin Ridley thing. Mm. Who was the third? Jeray Jenkins, who's also atrocious. <laughs> All right. So if we're looking at the rest of this, the passing uh, options, I, I'll be completely honest with you, man. I know it's a showdown site, and I know we have to make some – concessions as you would say you also have to dive a little bit deeper than we normally would but it is an absolute wasteland when it comes to pass catchers for the tennessee titans outside of aj brown i mean even julio jones it's a little bit disturbing to think that you might have to play him uh, at his price point I, I could make an argument for it and and i'll probably have uh, a little bit of julio jones he's sub 20 percent owned I, i'm i'm fine with that but do you really want to get to any of these other guys? I mean, even the Ferksers and the Swains, you have to consider that because they're tight ends and, and they have some touchdown equity, whereas other guys don't, but it's ugly. 
It is really ugly. The, I, I definitely want to get to some Julio Jones and AJ Brown as the contrarian options for a passing attack that should be improved. And I think a lot of people probably will discount it because of how bad they've been recently, which I don't think is necessarily justified. The, the main question I have is how are they going to configure their roster? So we know that AJ Brown and Julio Jones are both primarily perimeter receivers. So is Nick Westbrook Akine, who's been largely the player that's replaced AJ Brown and, and Julio Jones, but does he move into the slot? Do they move Julio? Do they move AJ Brown? Do they continue to play Cody Hollister over Nick Westbrook Akine? So there is room for uncertainty with this wide receiver three position. And I think it could be a spot where you gain some leverage in tournaments just because we don't know for a fact who's going to man that position. I personally tend to think like maybe it's still Cody Hollister. Like Nick Westbrook Akine has been a perimeter receiver entirely. And yeah. they don't really have like a clear slot option. Perhaps that perhaps it's just like Ferkser or something. We don't know. God, I don't even know if it matters. Well, maybe it matters on this slate. If we're going to build a lineup, let's see what we're left with. If we do try and go with, you know, several expensive options on this like, one, and like even in the mid range, I do think this slate is somewhat interesting because there are some relatively respectable mid range, mid range options. I want to talk about Dante Foreman here because like, you know, I've, I've been, relatively high on him over the past few weeks, just based on expected workload. Has he been great? No, he also hasn't been bad either. He's got 14 plus 14, 14 and, and 18 DraftKings points over the last three weeks. It's really not that bad. Uh, he has what, how many carries 41, 54, 54 carries over, over that stretch as well. So that's all fine. No, he has more than that actually, but, that's fine. Coming off a 22 carry game, he has 200 yard rushing performances uh, since week 12. So in his last three, but if you look at the last two games, Matt, because that's since McNichols has been back and it makes things a little bit easier for us to understand Foreman has a 55% uh, share of, of carries in the backfield. Dontrell Hilliard's at 23 and McNichols is at 22, but at the same time, Hill, uh, McNichols and Hilliard got a lot of garbage time work against Jacksonville. They just took Foreman out. We saw last week in a close game, which they lost, that Foreman had 22 carries and 60% of them. So how do you break this down? And we can factor in the target share as well. Over the last two weeks, Hilliard 13%, Foreman 8% target share, and McNichols 6.5%. Yeah, and Foreman got banged up in that game. So I'm not sure that he got all the carries he – maybe would have seen they're giving him the full Derrick Henry role and he's not Derrick Henry, but he's productive enough where he's somebody you should be considering on this slate. He practiced in full. So I'm not worried about the injury anymore. It appears he's, he's fully over this and he's been the guy they've given the bulk of the workload when the games are competitive and he's actually gotten some targets out of the backfield too, which surprised me a little bit. That's not something he did at Texas, but he's a big back. He's built a little bit like Derrick Henry. You're just not going to find anybody as athletic as Derrick Henry. So Foreman, I think, is interesting at his price. He definitely has a ceiling if Tennessee gets up in this game. They've shown a willingness to ride him to 20 carry games. Again, efficiency's been middling in some of these contests, but at the same time, you just don't get a lot of guys that have this projected workload. So Foreman, I think, is very interesting for that reason. I'm happy he practiced in full. Me too. I have no problems getting there. Do I love the matchup? No, I'm not thrilled about it, but I think his price is reasonable. I don't have an issue with, with 
that salary. I don't want to captain him really though, Matt. That, that's kind of the thing for, for Foreman. And, and correct me if you think uh, that this is a spot where we should be captaining him, but I, I still am not huge on captaining a, a Dante Foreman because I, I he lacks the, the, the pass catching upside for the most part, even though he's not a bad pass catcher. I think there are some better ways to go there. Do you want to have some foreman in the captain spot? Yeah, I want to have some, but not too much, honestly. His role isn't drastically different than like a Jeff Wilson on the other side. Both are primary, primarily early down backs. I think they'll use foreman a little more than Jeff Wilson. But ultimately, foreman's not the guy they prefer to use on pass catching work. And then they're the team that's the projected underdog. And foreman's more expensive than Jeff Wilson. So you just get a lot of additional like little bonus pieces with Jeff Wilson that you don't get with Foreman. So right now I would prefer to lean that direction in low risk contests, but in tournaments, I think you could still take a look at, at Foreman overall. He is a negative leverage score for us. And I think a lot of that is just because they're the dog in this game. He's coming in with pretty decent ownership, but again, if they get down in this game, he might just not see the same workload he's seen in recent weeks. Right. 2.8% 2.8% optimal captain probability. So, you know, it's a, it's all right. But do you think that guys like Hilliard or, or McNichols could be decent flex options or utility options today? I think Hilliard mainly due to price. We're going to need to punt somewhere. And we talked about the options on San Francisco. They're basically non-existent. You have Jamichael Hasty. And once you go from Jermichael Hasty, you're basically looking at John Jennings, who's 5K in the utility, which is a lot of money to pay for your punt option. For Tennessee, we at least have some options down here, like Hilliard. What We can say whatever we want about his workload. He has gotten some work. I think you can rationalize like the game script in one game, the Deontay Foreman injury in another game to explain why he's been used so much as a change of pace. But at the same time, he still will be getting change of pace work for a guy that's 2,800. And outside of that, like McNichols, maybe they used him more in the past game. He's 2,200. Ferkser, I think they could see him more out of the slot. They use multiple tight ends a lot in Tennessee, which has kind of been a staple of their offense, which is why I think the wide receiver three rule isn't quite as clear either. But these are good GPP options. I think they're all really risky, though, for cash games. And it makes me nervous because I think in cash games, lowers contest, you're going to have to play one of them. I do too. And I, I think they want to run the ball though. We know, we've seen that they lost last week and granted it was a competitive low scoring game, but they want to run the ball. If, if you look at all of the, the carries, what uh, Foreman had 22, but Dontrell Hilliard still got nine carries in that same game. So that's 31 right there. And then you had McNichols come into that one with, with six attempts himself. So that's, that's a lot of rushing attempts, Matt, especially in a game that you didn't have firm control of. Yeah, for sure. And I, I ran some optimal lineups this morning just using our projections, and Hilliard was the preferred option among this range. I don't really see that changing throughout the day. Like, we're, we're not going to see Ferkser spike for a larger role, I think. He's just going to be in that rotational role himself. In tournaments, whoever scores a touchdown out of that group could put you over the edge. But for low-risk contests, I think Hilliard has the safest workload of the group. Agreed. And you, you know what? You might get a carry inside the 5 or 10 from him. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Tannehill, th- that one thing is Ryan Tannehill is actually pretty frequently used in, in goal-to-go situations, which sucks. But that's probably just something you're going to have to deal with. Uh, anything else you want to hit on, be it Tannehill or the rest of this Tennessee team, defense, kickers, skill players, hit it, Matt. 
So I think you're going to see a rotation at the wide receiver three again. So I just kind of want to highlight this. We briefly glossed over it. Westbrook Akine has been primarily a perimeter receiver. So I don't think he plays more than like a quarter of the snaps. The same goes for like a Chester Rogers, who's more of your traditional slot receiver. Even Cody Hollister has been like a boundary receiver for them. So I think it's kind of split down the middle for them. And I also think these guys will get squeezed because you have Jeff Swaim as your primary tight end, but then they use Michael Pruitt and Ferkser and Ferkser's primarily a receiver when he's out there. That's a good spot to target for tournaments because you have so many guys mixing onto the field. And if one of them finds the end zone at low ownership, that could be a big difference maker for you at a cheap price. But ultimately, it's going to be a pretty nasty rotation for this wide receiver three and these ancillary tight ends. So uh, before we build a lineup, that's one more time. If you could hit that thumbs up, that'd be great. Hammer that thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. If you forgot, I get it. Things happen. But now you have a, a chance to totally redeem yourself. And if you're on a phone, click out of that chat, hit thumbs up and click back into it. All good. Helps us greatly. And we appreciate you for it. Uh, and one more thing, free content on the site today. If you haven't been over to awesome.com, you're not a sub. You don't have to be to check out our NFL showdown projections today. Our NBA player rankings are all free. And as I have said throughout the few past few weeks, yes, we have a, a promo code, which is NFL strategy, right? All one word, all caps, get you 25% off everything on the site for the first week. Awesome. Plus platinum ownership projections, player projections, top stack tool, boom, bust tool, lineup builder. You can get the fantasy cruncher add on as well. All of that for every sport, not just football, literally any sport that has contests on these sites, we have content for it all created by the number one ranked DFS player out there. Awesome. Himself. But if you want to take advantage of something, maybe a little less expensive, maybe the wallet, maybe the wallet's a little, uh, a little, a little empty coming up on the holiday season. Well, we have the Express Pass, less than $4 a week. It doesn't only have a lot of main slate stuff, but it also has, oh, and all everything for tiers, but it also has all of our tools for showdown sites, everything. So Matt and I talk about the, the showdown single game top plays tool, which is huge, has leverage scores, optimal captain scores, ownership, all of that, player projections, ownership projections. Again, no better time to take advantage of it than late in the season like right now. Because today, if you were to do it, you get the Thursday, you get, what do we have? Two Christmas Day games, Matt? Yeah. We have two, two, two showdown games. slates on Christmas Day, um, Sunday night football, Monday night football. That's five showdown slates right there that you're getting for less than $4 on top of everything else that we do in this Express Pass. So check that out too at awesomemode.com slash join. All right, let's build a lineup. I'll kick it off with you. Large field tournament. We'll see what we can do to be a little bit different here. What do you want to do at Captain? I kind of want to play Garoppolo, but if we don't play Garoppolo, I for sure want to play one of his pass catchers. Do you have a strong stance? I don't have a particularly strong stance, but I don't mind Kittle at all. Let's do Kittle then. All right, let's go Kittle. And then how do you feel about maybe going with a Jeff Wilson fade here and playing that a little differently? We talked about it earlier. Maybe go with a Jeff Wilson fade. I'll go with Jimmy Garoppolo in the first flex spot. Yeah, I think it makes sense with our, our build so far. We're already building in the San Francisco pass att passing attack. So you could work under the assumption that maybe Tennessee got up in the game. They scored on the opening kickoff, whatever it may be. And in that construction, I think Foreman makes sense. Oh, I like that. Okay. So we have around 5,100 per player remaining here. Uh... 
Not a Christmas movie, Red Dog. Let's go with. God, I'm going to. All right. You know what? I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Jermichael Hasty. We got to be different. If we're playing this in the, the Millie Maker, Matt, we got to be different. I'm going to go with Jermichael Hasty here. Yeah. Now we have 7K left per player. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Could do a lot with that. So in the rain, we're, we're also working with the Jeff Wilson fade here. So I think we can go one expensive player, one cheap player. I honestly think you could play Hilliard in the same lineup as Foreman because they run the ball upwards of 40 times when they can. So now we can basically play any stud we want. If we, if we run Hilliard out there. Oh man. Okay. So like they just pound the rock. Yeah. And we've seen that in two straight weeks. That gives us enough. Uh, we're just short of Debo. We're just short of Debo Samuel here. That's okay. Leave some salary on the table for the Millie. Yeah, but we're already so different that I don't know if we need to. And then there's nothing else other than Tannehill. And I don't really want Tannehill if my only Tennessee players are Foreman and Hilliard. That is true. I'm going to try... If we if we do Garoppolo captain, you can get Debo. I love that. If we're gonna go two pass catchers, all right, all right, let's do it. That lineup should actually not be very popular at all, but it's giving us the two top pass catching options for uh, for San Francisco with Garoppolo captain. Foreman, I think, could be the best option for Tennessee. Who knows what AJ Brown's gonna look like? That's a I like that lineup. I like it too. And all we did to make it work was flip our, our captain and use Garoppolo instead of yep. Kittle. Good stuff. Hey, follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I, myself at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Uh, hey, don't forget, if you're watching after the fact, leave a comment, hit that thumbs up. Matt, final score prediction for tonight. I'm going to go 24-21 in favor of San Francisco. You say 24-21? Yes. Okay. So you're coming in right around the actual total. You're coming in right around the actual spread. I like and I that. did not I did not look at the total for this game ahead of time. I know 44 and a half. So okay. yeah, you're right. You're right there. You're right there. You're over by the hook. I'll go. I, I think this game ends up being low scoring. I'm going 21-17 Tennessee. Or I'm sorry, I no, yeah, 21-17. Tennessee Titans getting the, the the reinforcements back. Let's do it. Take them to win outright. I actually think San Francisco wins. I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> I'm with you. Low scoring game, close game. I don't see it getting out of control. But I do see the NBA strategy show coming up. And you should stick around for that right here on the channel. Adam Share, Josh Engelman, breaking everything down for a Thursday slate. We'll catch you back here tonight for the NFL showdown live before lock. Last one of the season. Peace.